Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Today we begin a new series on the fruits of the Spirit, and our adult discipleship pastor, Mark Taylor, will kick us off with a message on love. You can find our weekly message outline and many other resources on our website at brookwoodchurch.org or on our Brookwood Church app. Good morning. My name is Mark Taylor. I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to see all your faces. Hey, as we get started uh, on this new series, go ahead and take a look at these words up on the screen here. Just read those over slowly to yourself. What would our world look like if it was filled with these things. <clears throat> I'm usually a pretty upbeat guy. I'm, I'm hopeful. I don't live in doom and gloom, but the, the level of violence and hatred in the world right now is, is stunning. I don't know if I would say that it's more now than ever before because it's hard to measure and there have been some awful times uh, in history, but it's definitely, definitely out of control Human trafficking is a a multi-billion dollar industry. That's alarming. And as much as the world needs these things, think about your own world for a minute. What would your world, your life look like if it was filled with more of these things? I think there'd be a lot more joy in our marriages a lot less strife. I think many of us would experience a deeper sense of settled peace within us, including me. Think about having the inner strength to be able to say no to things that you know are destructive to yourself and others. And think about having that inner strength, the self-control to say yes, to say no to this and to say yes and step into those things that we know God's calling us to beyond our fears. See, the brokenness isn't just out there somewhere. The brokenness is in here. This series that we're starting today is about becoming the kind of people that God designed us to be. This series is about becoming the kind of people that carry hope and life and love into a world that so desperately needs it and into our own world and our own relationships that desperately need the light and love of God. This series is about God shaping his character in us. So if you're ready, go ahead and grab your message guide, which is in your program. There's two panels that'll kind of help you follow along uh, with the message. And also turn to Galatians chapter five. We'll be camped out there for the most part today. Galatians five, and if you're using the Bible that we make available at the bookstore, it is on page 940. Really wanna do two things this morning. First of all, I'm gonna provide some direction, some perspective, some hopefully really helpful ideas to take with us as we go on this journey of cultivating character. 
And then second, we're gonna talk about the first aspect of the fruit of the spirit that's listed in Galatians 5, which is love. So first, some, some things to remember and take with us. First of all, as we think about cultivating character, remember freedom. So helpful. It will be so helpful to remember freedom throughout this series. Galatians 5.1 says these beautiful words. So Christ has truly set us free. It's beautiful, isn't it? Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again into slavery to the law. To be clear, from the very beginning, God has been calling his people into a life of freedom. That's helpful to know. Even before fallen mankind, what did God say to Adam? Genesis 2.16, you may freely eat of any of the trees except for this one. It was, a light, it was an invitation to freedom, but he had to choose the one, didn't he? A couple of other really beautiful verses. It's all through the scriptures of God calling us to a life of freedom. Acts 13, 39 says this, through Christ, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. That's good news. John 8, 36, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. God is calling us to a life of freedom. So let's have a moment of honesty here for just a moment. Who here has ever taken something that wasn't yours ever in your whole life? Come on, food from the staff refrigerator, <laughs> extra spoons from Chick-fil-A, come on. You know. Okay, one more, maybe a little deeper. Who here has ever said something that wasn't completely true, ever? Keep your hands up, keep your hands up. Those of you who have your hands down, you can go ahead and put them up now. <laughs> right? Look around, all the hands up, look around. How does it feel to know that we're in a room full of thieves and liars? <laughs> I mean, really, we're all in this journey together and it actually goes a lot deeper than that. So question that comes out of that is where do you go with what you've done? Where do you go to rid yourself of the guilt and shame you feel after having done something you know you shouldn't have done, no matter how big or small it is, where do you go? See, this freedom that Christ is inviting us into is in part getting out from under the heavy burden of the guilt and shame that we carry. Our souls were not meant to carry the shame. They were not meant to carry that. That's Good Friday. Last Friday, if you stopped and experienced some of Holy Week, Good Friday was the day we remember that Jesus died for us and that's the, the day that all of our sins were nailed with him on the cross, removed far away from us and then Easter, is the day we celebrate him rising from the dead and giving us his life when we open our hearts to him. It's the great exchange. We give him all of our junk and he gives us his life. That's the freedom that we're in, invited into. In fact, I love how the NIV says Galatians 5.1. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free as we continue through this journey on cultivating character. It's gonna be helpful to remember that God is inviting us to freedom through this. Have you, have you ever 
Has it ever crossed your mind because of this grace we talk about and this amazing freedom in Christ, has it ever crossed your mind, wow, I, I really am forgiven all of my past sin, even my current condition and anything I'll ever do, I'm, I'm really forgiven. I, I could really go out and do some bad stuff and I'd be forgiven? If that's ever crossed your mind, then you're beginning to get grace. You're beginning to taste some of God's love, that it's really that good. In fact, God knew we would ask that question. He knew what our hearts were like and that we would say, who, really, I can go do that anyway? He knew that we would do that and ask that question. And so he had Paul address that in his letter to the Romans. Toward the end of chapter five, Paul writes these words. It says, the law was given so people would become aware of their sin. Right, it's just like the rules on the side of the pool in your neighborhood, right? Don't do this, don't run, all, all the rules. The rules were there so that people would become aware of their sin, but as people sin more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. And then here's the question that he's asking rhetorically. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. And in the Greek, that literally says, God forbid that we would do that. Since we have died to our sin, how can we continue to live in it? We not only joined with Christ in his death, we have also been raised with him that we may live new lives. And so if you've tasted the grace of God, of course, we wouldn't wanna go do that and continue into doing that. Back to our text, Galatians 5, 13 says it again, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. And here Paul introduces this other element. There's freedom, but there's also this sinful nature. Verse 17, and here's the distinction. The sinful nature wants to do what is evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And then here it is, if you like underlining in your Bible or making special notes, this is it. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So we've been called into a life of freedom and we should remember freedom, but as we move through this series on cultivating character, it's secondly important to recognize the battle that's going on. That line right there, these two forces are constantly fighting each other pretty much explains my Tuesday afternoon and my argument with the wife and pretty much every aspect of our day, that right there, these two forces are fighting against each other. And even if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, the fact that you're even here right now shows that God's working in your life and there's a tug of war going on. And for those of us who have stepped into a relationship with Christ, the scriptures teach that our, our, our old self has died, it's on the cross, but I don't know about you, but my old self keeps getting off the cross, jumping down and trying to come back to life again. And so it's a process of dying to that old self. So remember freedom, learn to recognize the battle. So that battle's going on each, in, inside each, each of us. Have you ever done something wrong and wished you hadn't? that regret right there. Have you ever known something was wrong, but you did it anyway? That conscience that you have right there, that's a sign that there's this battle going on inside you. Should I do it? Should I not do it? 
Now, let me encourage you throughout this series as often as you can to read through Romans 6, 7, and 8. It'll just be helpful on this idea of understanding what God has to say about this battle that's going on inside. But Paul, in the Galatians text that we're in today, he gives us a shortcut. He says, how can, how can you tell whether the spirit's winning or the sinful nature's winning? How can you tell which one's actually in action? Well, Galatians 5.19 basically says, take the test, follow the fruit of what you're doing and see what it looks like. He goes to say, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Like it's not rocket science for us. And he begins naming things that can tell us whether the sinful nature has kicked in or whether we're walking in the spirit. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, These first three are in the area of our sexuality, and the reality is God has designed the universe in a way that works, in a way that brings life, and he designed the universe in terms of our sexuality in such a way that it works, that it brings life and its expression of love, and it's beautiful when it's reserved for a husband and wife in marriage. Anything beyond that, anything other than that, and it's damaging to the soul, that's That's just how God set up the universe. So if you're having sex with someone who's not your spouse, then you know the sinful nature has kicked in because the spirit would not be leading you to do that. If you're looking at pornography, that's not the spirit leading you to do that. You can easily say, my sinful flesh has kicked in here. Here's something that might be helpful for teens and also for parents of teens. Try to teach my kids that your level of physical intimacy should never exceed your level of commitment. That's why sex is reserved for marriage because sex being the most intimate touch between a man and a woman demands a lifelong commitment so you can fully be yourself naked and unashamed knowing that you have their lifelong commitment no matter what. He goes on in this list of signs that take the test of of whether or not our sinful nature's kicking in, showing up. He says, idolatry and sorcery. You think, okay, those two things really don't apply to me, don't apply to us, but actually they do. Idolatry is, um, in ancient times and, and really even many places around the world now, they would carve out wooden or, or stone figures and worship them as, as gods. Now, you may not do that, but we worship a lot of things, don't we? We worship the size house we have, the amount of money we have. We, we give our hearts to a lot of things. Whatever you worship, whatever you give high value to in the place of God, you could call that idolatry. That's what the, that's what the word is. It's a churchy word for giving your life to something uh, beyond what it was meant to to be worshiped for. God alone should be worshiped, and these things are just part of, part of our life here. Sorcery, interesting, you're like, okay, no one practices sorcery. Well, there may be some. Uh, it's, it's related to the ancient practice of witchcraft, uh, black magic. Um, it's oftentimes associated with um, this other spiritual world, and so the Ouija boards and things like that that are even common in our day, but definitely back in the day, uh, it was related to incense and, and drug use. In fact, sorcery comes from a word that we get our word pharmacy for. And so sorcery is an umbrella for anything that we do 
that takes us into like another spirit world outside of reality. And so simply put, if you're getting high or doing drugs, that falls under the category of sorcery because you're trying to take your state, your, your being into a place that's not reality, into another space. And so if you have a problem with prescription drugs, that falls under the large umbrella category of sorcery. So that's a sign when you're wanting to go to that place that's not reality, that the sinful nature has kicked in. And he goes on to list several that I think we can identify pretty, pretty readily with in our own lives. I know I can. Continuing in this list of desires of the sinful nature, he says hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy. I'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time diagnosing and looking through all of these things because the point isn't necessarily the behavior. The point is when you see those things happening, there's something underneath going on. Those are all kind of in the relational category and he finishes up with, oh, and there's envy as well. He finishes up with drunkenness, wild parties and other sins like these. We could also include how, the ways that we binge on food and use it for comfort use food for ways that we shouldn't, uh, the way we love to have money and spend money. So that list isn't exhaustive. But again, the, the point isn't the behavior and sin management and trying to control our behavior. The point is when you see these things, there's something else going on underneath. We're searching for life apart from God. So at this point, it's helpful to go back and remember again even after I've just mentioned all these things and you're, wow, like that's not the Sunday I had uh, thought I was coming into and I've got all these lists of things and you're sitting there feeling the weight of some of this stuff. Remember, if you belong to Jesus, you are free. You are free from having to work yourself out of that. You're free from having to pay for all of that. You're free. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more and there's nothing you can do to make him love you less. You're free. But in that freedom that's a totally available to us, we need to know that every choice we make is either gonna lead us greater into this freedom or away from this freedom. Every decision we make as we battle and see these battles here, every decision we make is either gonna strengthen one side or the other, our fleshly nature, our fallen nature, our brokenness, however you wanna describe it, or it's gonna strengthen our new being that's coming alive day by day. So my daughter is free to eat the entire tray of brownies, 30 brownies. She's free to do that. They're on the counter. She's free to come and eat all of them. I don't have an alarm on them. They're not in a lockbox. She's free. I'm not standing there monitoring them. I didn't hire a police officer. She's free to eat them. But every step, every choice, either takes us into greater freedom or takes away our freedom. And so several things are gonna happen when she eats more brownies than she can handle. First of all, she's gonna get sick, right? So there's consequences. But also in that step that she thought was just about her and just about the brownies, she's also, as she ate all of them, is going to make all of her siblings mad. So now she's ruined relationships and even a little bit with her father because I really like brownies, right? 
there's consequences. And so you're free today. As we leave today, you are free to go do whatever's in your heart to do. You're free to go do that. You can go drink and drive. But if you take that choice, you need to know that your chances are exponentially higher of your freedom being taken away. And not only your freedom, but someone else's if you crash. Every decision we make either moves us greater into freedom or takes it away. Throughout this series, as we think about cultivating character, I think it's gonna be hugely helpful to remember the freedom that we have, that God's inviting us into, to recognize that battle that's going on inside us and deal with what's going on underneath. Why do I wanna go do that? And third, reliance on the Spirit. A couple of my favorite verses in the whole New Testament. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So there's kind of a solution right there, is learn how to let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Verse 25, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading, and you can underline this, in every part of our lives, not just this part or that part. This walking in the Spirit is being open and sensitive to God's leading. God, what are you saying here in this moment? What are you saying as I'm in this conversation? What are you saying as I'm driving to this place? It's having an ongoing conscious dependence on God. God, I need you in this moment or I'm not gonna have what I need to offer my kid. God, I need you in this moment for your spirit to come and give me what I don't have in this conversation with my wife. And I love the idea of walking because it's like traveling on a road. It's, pro it's, pr it's a process, it's progress. So one step at a time, staying in step with the spirit traveling on a journey, it's a process. So to be clear, as we begin this series and move forward, this series is not about doing better. It's not about trying harder. It's not about working our way to God. It's not really even about trying to live a moral life or change or address our behavior. This series is more about what God wants to do in us as we allow him space more than it is something we have to go do and go fix. This series is more about surrender and creating space for him to work. That's why it's called the fruit of the spirit. It's not the fruit of your good efforts or the fruit of your hard work. It is the fruit of the spirit working in us. So where in your day do you intentionally connect with God? Where in your week do you have carved out to create some space to release the burdens and responsibilities and bring yourself to God and receive life from him? I like to think of this process like this, do everything you possibly can to put yourself in a place that allows God to do everything that he wants to do. And so yes, it's, it's hard work in a sense that it's against our nature, but do everything you can to rely on God who 
so eagerly wants to work within us. I call it like a holy cooperation. And as we live in this spiritual space and allow God to come in and work, instead of our sinful nature taking over, this is what happens. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says, but the Holy Spirit, in contrast to what the sinful nature wants to do, will produce this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And this isn't an exhaustive list, though these are the elements that we're gonna walk through during this series, but we could also add things like compassion, honesty, trustworthiness, integrity, boldness, endurance, generosity, wisdom. There's a whole host of things that the scripture tells us come alive in us when we connect with God. These are the things God wants to do in us. And notice that it says there's no law against these things. In other words, there's no limit to how much we can experience and express these things. There's no limit. So whatever you've known of God's love, there's more. Whatever you've known of the peace of God that surpasses all understanding in here, whatever you've known of that, there's more available. There's no limit, there's no law against these things. We are free to move into them. And so during the series, we'll take a closer look at each one. We're gonna begin with today uh, for the rest of our time together, looking at the first fruit of the spirit, which is love. It's fruit of the spirit, it's singular. So it's, these are all of the things that a person who's following Christ will exhibit, but we can look at the different nuances of each one, but it's, it's singular. There are four primary Greek words for love. Let's just explore what does love look like? What should we be experiencing? And what would it look like flowing out of us? Four primary Greek words for love. And maybe you've heard these before. Uh, the first one is storge. And I think in your message guide, those are already printed up there. So you don't need to write out the Greek unless you wanna practice your Greek letter calligraphy. Storge, it is a deep affection, sincere devotion. It's a tender family bond. If you want to remember something, it's that family bond. It's the bond that I feel between me and my son. It's a bond that I feel just the connection between me and my wife. It's that family bond. The second word is, primary word in the, in the Greek language is phileo, which means a close friendship. There's some mutuality about it, meaning I'm giving to you and you're giving to me and there's this camaraderie. It's often translated brotherly love. So like Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. That's phileo. The third word is eros. And that's where we get our word erotic. It's passionate, romantic love. Now, those three words are not the word that's used in this Galatians passage, the fruit of the spirit. You've likely heard this word before, it's agape. And interesting, this word agape was not used very often at all in the Greek language until the time of Jesus. But when Jesus began speaking of love, they knew they couldn't use either of these other three words because it just didn't capture the beauty and the depth and the richness of Jesus' love. And so they started using agape love. 
Can you, can you guess which of the other three words was the most used during that time? Which one would you say? Eros. Yes, eros, because just like in our day, it's a sex-crazed society, and that was the one that was used. And that's the, that's the eros that's expressed in the Song of Songs in the Bible, and that's the, the love that's reserved for marriage. And unfortunately, many of our marriages fall apart or have issues because they're primarily and mostly built around this kind of love, the eros love the passion and the romantic love, but if your marriage is not also including these other aspects of love, the friendship and that family bond and what we're gonna go on and talk about agape, eros is just not enough to hold it together. So it's dangerous if that's the only type of love you know in your marriage. So this agape love, let me define a little bit. This is the most noble of all of the words mentioned. It has the idea of prizing, highly valuing someone. It can be defined as a consuming passion for the well-being of another. More than a feeling, agape love describes someone who is not just feeling something good, but is in relentless pursuit of the good of others with no regard to self-sacrifice, like not even thinking about what it would cost. One of the central places that this word agape is used, and you've probably heard this at weddings before, is 1 Corinthians 13. And let me encourage you, I'm gonna pull some phrases from the J.B. Phillips translation. So if, you've, if you're used to re, you know, hearing it from a, a more common translation, uh, sometimes it's just helpful to get a, a fresh perspective with some fresh words. And uh, the J.B. Phillips is, is really close to the, to the Greek. Uh, it's, it's a great translation. So you might wanna read through that this week as you're thinking about love, but let me just grab some of the phrases from it. And this is what it, if we're experiencing God's love and we're showing this to other people, this is what it'll look like. It'll look like for me that I'm slower to lose patience with my kids. It'll look less demanding in my spirit. This kind of love isn't touchy or irritable. I remember when we were first married, I was very touchy and irritable. I didn't know this love. This kind of love isn't driven to impress others, but is looking out for the other's good. This kind of love, this agape love, doesn't keep a record of the ways that I've been failed, that people have failed me or wounded me. It doesn't keep a record of that. It goes on to say in the J.B. Phillips translation, this love, this agape love, knows no limit to its endurance, no end to its trust, no fading of its hope. It can outlast anything. It is, in fact, the one thing that still stands when all else has fallen. And when you think about it, that is God's love for us. He is not touchy, irritable, easily frustrated, easily angered. Amazing patience. Patience is from here to here, and when you get past all that patience, then it's called long-suffering, and he even has that for us. Deeply patient. 
I don't wanna just do loving things on the outside for my wife. I wanna be loving. I wanna be transformed on the inside so that I am loving, not just doing loving things or forcing myself into certain behavior. I wanna feel and know that love. And so here's the secret. First John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. The order is crucial. I will only love my wife and my kids and you all to the degree that I've experienced God's love. And so if your love is lacking for others, it's time to surrender and open up yourself to God's love. I used to think that this wedding band, and I've officiated weddings before, and I used to say that this wedding band represents your love, husband, to, to your wife, your unending love to your wife, and, and wife, your, this represents, every time you look at this, this represents your unending love for your husband, but over the years, I've, I've learned that that's not really not true. It's sentimental and sounds good, but it's actually not true. Or at least for me, this picture, this is a picture and a reminder of God's unending love. And so when I marry people, I say, remember the word forever when you look at this, that you will remember God's forever love for you, his unlimited, unending love for you, so that as you remember that, you will turn to him and receive the love you need to offer your spouse, because I don't have the love in me. And I wasn't sure I was gonna say this, but I've said it at the first service, so I'll say it again. If, if I hadn't had an experience with Christ, I, I wouldn't love you. I just know me. I just know me. Before I experienced God's love, all of my relationships were about me, what I needed, what I could get, and if I didn't get what I wanted, I was gone. But having experienced more and more of God's love, I have a concern for you all and a care for you all and a love for my wife that I couldn't have come up with. We love because he first loved us. The reality is we've all got stuff in here that keeps us from receiving this love. And hopefully through this series, we can break down some of that stuff and allow God to till up the dirt and get into us and grow us in these ways, in love and joy and so on. And the good news is, as we bring our brokenness to God, our wounds, our sin, our rebellion, as we come to him fully, he comes in and he heals and he strengthens and he forgives and he restores and he makes us new. Where else in your entire world, in all of your relationships, where else can you go and be completely honest about what you've done, thought, said, and not find judgment? Where else can you go? even in the best marriages, even in the best friendships, I don't experience the same kind of love and forgiveness that we can receive. No shame, because it's paid for. That's the place where we come and where healing and strength happens. So what we're gonna do here for a minute is just close our eyes and pray that we can just hold off any distractions or any other things happening today. And we're gonna spend a few quiet moments opening our hearts to God. So let's, let's be quiet and pray and just connect with God. Whatever you're thinking, whatever you're feeling, it's time to bring that to God. Holy Spirit, I pray in these moments, make us more alive than ever before. You would come and wake us up. Maybe one of you in here today, maybe some of you are that one lost sheep and you need to know that God has been pursuing you with his love and pursuing you with his love. 
and pursuing you with his love. And let me encourage you, if that's you today, don't leave without talking to someone here and receiving Jesus into your life. And may we, as God's church here, grow in our experience of God's love for us so that we might go out into the streets and find those who are lost and desperately needing hope and life and freedom that we have in Christ. Counselors, you can come forward now. If you wanna talk or pray with anyone, our counselors will be right up front here and just let me encourage you just to stay in this moment. You're free to go, have a great day, but let's not just end it here. Let's just take this with us. Thank you. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience transformed life. If you have any questions about this message or you would like to request prayer, we encourage you to visit our website at brookwoodchurch.org forward slash get help. You can also find our message archives on our website or on our Brookwood app. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed week.